0: At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast. It's federal
1: season. I'm Jason Nash, VP of Marketing. Alongside me is Brian Kelvington, Director of Media.
2: Hey, Jason. We have an important and fun topic today. You know, we're talking pheasants, conservation, a core value in, in Federal's mission. And the expansion of our popular pheasant load, Prairie Storm, into 16 and 28 gauge.
1: Yes, and we are happy to have Bob St. Pierre, a good friend of ours and vice president of marketing and communications for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever on the podcast. Bob, thanks for coming on.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, fellas. And I'm really pleased to be joining uh, my buddies at at Federal. The only thing I'm missing is we normally do this over a, a plate of Buffalo Wild Wings. In a game of Big Buck Hunter, but this will have to do during quarantine,
1: right? Yep, it's a sacrifice we have to make, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back there soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, uh, it's always great to, to talk with you. Before we get into really the, the meat of what Pheasants Forever's mission is and our company's strong partnership, uh, let's talk a little bit about recent events with the unfortunate announcement of the cancellation of Pheasant Fest. Can you give us a little bit of an update on, on where that stands? Um, Obviously we all know why it happened and what the future holds for it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously a very big bummer. Uh, National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic is our, um, you know, from a business perspective, it's our single biggest fundraiser of the year. But beyond that, you know, it's just, it's, it's like Christmas for bird hunters. So it's an opportunity to gather with friends, with family, um, with with people uh, around something that we're all incredibly passionate about, and that's conservation, wildlife habitat, and, and upland bird hunting. So Pheasant Fest has become the destination where all the, the companies in the upland world unveil their products for the coming season. It's a place where all of our members come together and and figure out what they're going to buy for, for their banquets for the year ahead. And we all look at it at, at the exhibitors and think, OK, what do I need to save for, for for September and October next year? So it's a real big drag. But it, you know, it, it all came down to the fact that um, we were we were optimistic that we'd have a vaccine in everybody's arm by this point and, and it's just it's it's developing but there's light at the end of the tunnel but it's just not going to be there and ready and available for everybody by the time pheasant fest was slated to happen in February in soup balls. and out of the number one concern with safety for our members our partners and our employees um, we we had to cancel the 2021 pheasant fest but that just means our Omaha event in 2022 is going to be the biggest bash the upland world has ever seen. Huh. So we um, we're 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 excited to to be able to retool, knowing it was the right decision. But it is a bummer that um, you know Sioux Falls has been a great destination, and, and we'll be back. Just it, it won't happen in 2021.
1: Yep. Well, we're all. It's unfortunate, but we'll take a rain check, just like we are on the the wings and big buck hunter.
3: <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like a great deal, but you know, by the time we all could get together again, I'm sure there's going to be some new special sauces we can sample, anyways, right? That 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 makes it all the more exciting.
2: Well, if they can improve on garlic parmesan, that's going to be pretty imp- incredible for me. <laughs> But, hey, Bob, we do look forward to Omaha in 2022, and so let's just switch from that and on to some more positive recent events and not your last weekend's hunt, but the annual Rooster Road Trip. um, Talk us through that hunt and how that really kicks off the year and and what people do to engage with that hunt. Yeah,
3: yeah. You know, I give credit to a couple of guys that have worked. Uh, for the organization a, a while ago, Anthony Hawke and Andrew Baver came up with that concept. When they were, you know, pretty new to the organization, they, so this was 2010, they came into my office and said, you know, we need to create an online event that really connects with a younger audience and demonstrates how our, our, our mission, um, really puts more birds in the bag to quality habitat. And the output of that was rooster road trip. So it, rooster road trip is a one week long public lands only, kind of almost in real time hunting excursion that a group of us from a content perspective uh, go out and hunt public lands that Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever helped to create. And that could be a permanent land acquisition, it could be a walk-in program that a biologist works through. It could be a piece of property that somebody left in a will for the organization. It takes on all sorts of different complexions, but it's all public land open to anybody that is willing to lace up their boots and let their dog run wild. And we so we get out for one week each season. it's 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 uh, we've taken a different um kind of theme over the course of the the previous 10 seasons that we've done this sometimes we've done five states in five days which i wouldn't which was a blast but i wouldn't recommend uh, in terms of how many miles we put on we've done late season roosters we've done opening week um and and it really just the boils down to demonstrating that when a person sends a 35 dollar check into pheasants forever and quail forever that that is resulting in quality habitat and public access and when we we just want to break that mythology that the only birds that are out there are on private land and that's just simply not true and there's a, a wealth of public land out there for folks to load up their prairie storm and their shotguns take aim at and then we'll find success and and, uh, you know, it's a credit to Federal. I mean, they've been with us every step of the way of that concept. Um, you guys have seen the merit in the idea. And it's one of the beautiful components of the relationship between Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, and Federal is we can, you know, join together because you're only 23 miles away from us. We could sit down over a plate of those buffalo wings and we can talk as as friends as uh, jo- you know upland hunters and partners about these ideas and come to concepts that benefit both organizations and upland bird hunters across the country and the rooster road trip is a great example of that collaboration
2: i know i enjoy following you guys online and um just to watch, you know, it builds momentum, obviously, when I'm getting my dogs ready for the season when you do the early season. Or it energizes me to get back out the late season, especially like now this year when South Dakota extended to January 31st. I've still got a five-day license left to burn. Um, it okay. just, again, it's just, um, it, it, if you follow along, it it, it motivates you to, to, um, to, to stay active. Now, don't put your dogs up for the year yet, you know. Either get them started or don't put them away yet.
3: It, it has become the single biggest web driver in our organization every year. Um, more traffic is generated by Rooster Road Trip than anything else we do, and it's also during that one week time frame. It generates about 500 members, so the equivalent of you know three and a half banquets um, all through one week of social media. Uh, So, so you're exactly right. It it it's intended to, you know, get people fired up, and whether it's, you know, pushing people, you know, the season's not over. Even in the northern states, like, like where we're talking from Minnesota, yeah, the season ends at, um, you know, that that first Sunday in January, the end of the end of the year. Up here, it ends, but like you mentioned, South Dakota season now goes through January 31st you got Kansas and Nebraska that goes through January 31st even Iowa across the border goes through uh, January 10th there's lots of of states to escape to and extend your season and there's a, just an amazing amount of public land in all four of those states
1: you know when it comes to you talked a little bit about PF's uh, mission and and you know habitat on the ground um this year obviously being different is there anything you talk about draft traffic driving people to the website from um rooster road trip is there anything else you're doing from a fundraising standpoint from a virtual side of things
3: yeah yeah we really are i mean like most of our friends in the conservation world um you know we we have lost uh an just an immense number of local fundraising banquets across the country. You know um, chapters have have really been handcuffed to hold banquets because of the pandemic. you know we're we're coming up on almost a year with very minimal number of banquets. so so the number one thing for listeners to think about is you know if you're a bird hunter of any stripe, Uh, If you hunt pheasants, if you hunt hunt grouse, ducks, elk, you know, deer, whatever, your favorite conservation organization needs you more than ever before. So go online, whether that's PheasantsForever.org or QuailForever.org or you know any of your favorite conservation partners, go online and become a member because just speaking for our organization you know, we we lost all our banquets, almost all of our banquets in the spring. So that resulted in roughly twenty thousand members hanging in limbo, and then another ten thousand members from banquets that have been lost through the fall. So if you add that up, you know, we we are in jeopardy of losing thirty thousand members. However, it's just a credit to the bird hunters of the world. That as we sit here today, year on year, you know, we we had we have the potential to be down 30,000 members, but we're only down 3000 members year on year. So it, it sucks to be down any number of members in this world, but I think it's a testament to how many people have really rallied to the cause and joined the organization online through direct mail, through Facebook. Um, in spite of the fact that they haven't been able to attend their local banquet. So, so number one thing is is please go online and support the Ducks Unlimited, the Delta Waterfalls, the Rough Grouse Society, National Wild Turkey Federation, Rocky Mountain Elk, Mule Deer, Quail Forever, Pheasants Forever. Um, whatever you love to hunt, everybody's doing good work and uh, every organization could use your help. The other thing that our organization and many of our partners are doing a uh, virtual fundraising through online auctions and online sweepstakes and this is just another place where federal continues to be you know head and shoulders above so many other corporations out there anytime we ask for for assistance whether that's in the form of a case of the brand new 16 gauge prairie storm um, or financial contribution you know you guys are like at the front of the line making a donation to an online auction or an online sweepstakes and and that's just so critical uh, to an organization like ours that that is raising money to bridge that gap. So there's lots of ways for people to help and lots of ways for company to help, companies to help. And uh, we're just incredibly blessed to have folks like federal, and Purina Dog Food and Sport Dog e-Collars and Polaris and Sportsman's Guide and Shields. There's so many companies that put put kind of see the big picture. And it's um and if we're gonna have bird hunting long into the future, we're gonna have bird hunting forever, we need habitat on the ground, and that's that's what our organization is there to do.
1: Yeah, uh, well, we appreciate everything that that PF and QF do. And, and, um, you know, I think you mentioned how long we've had a partnership, I mean, all the way back to the eighties and a big reason for that, um, for us is not just the fact that you're right down the road. It's also because of your model. So I I don't know if, if there are people out there who aren't familiar with it, what is different about the model for, for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever and how you allow chapters to, you know, allocate the funds that they raise.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's thank you for bringing up. That's that's the secret sauce, if you will. If I'm going to carry the Buffalo Wild Wings theme throughout this, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's that is really the magic of our organization. So when you go to a Pheasants Forever banquet in, let's say, uh, Brown County, Minnesota, and that local group of chapter volunteers say they you know say there's twelve volunteers. 300 people come to their banquet and they raise $30,000 at that Sleepy Eye banquet in, in, in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, in Brown County. That chapter look, takes those volunteers, those 10 or 12 volunteers, look at that 30000 after the banquet. And they decide, they're, they have, they're empowered 100% with how to spend those funds, that 30000 that they raised in their local community. So if you live in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, that chapter might want to use those funds to buy land, w- working with uh, the legacy amendment in Minnesota, and they can buy land and then turn it over to the Minnesota DNR, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and it becomes a wildlife management area or a waterf- waterfall production area. They might, if, if, And then you take a look at a different chapter that's in, say, Metro Detroit. Well, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult to buy land that's relevant to upland birds and bird hunting in Metro Detroit, but they can work with, with uh, youth to get youngsters involved in the outdoors and teach kind of all the Leopold's conservation ethic and you know the whole R3 movement, re, re, uh, reactivate, re-engage and uh, recruit new hunters into conservation and bird hunting. So it goes the entire scope of things that a conservation can a conservation group can do to impact habitat from buying land to working with farmers to introducing the next generation. Our chapters get to decide it's sort of a choose your own adventure organization within the parameters of our mission that chapters are empowered to to decide how those dollars get spent locally. And that, does make us different from every single other group out there. And it does make sense for us, you know, we're, pheasants and quail are not migratory birds. They have lifespans that, you know, are basically a two mile radius. So chapters that live in those areas can actually have a direct impact on bird numbers and their community and that radius where that county is, that county-based chapter resides. So it's a it is the secret sauce of pheasants forever and quail forever, and it's been that model since we were born in 1982.
2: Yeah, I know it's funny you you say sleepy I, um A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, is the wildlife biologist now in that area, Luke Zilverberg. and so um, it just kind of brought that together. And I live in Scott County, so I you know attend the the banquet there and. It's all, you know, it's just so much fun to, to get around and, and share conversations with like-minded people, especially in the Upland world. Um, but COVID, you know, has provided some positive trends. You know, I know we talked about the negative, not having these banquets. But we are seeing upticks in outdoor recreational space and usage and participation. Um, you know, we, we can know that because we measure our Pittman-Robertson contributions. For, fe- for pheasant quail hunting, what is the data saying for participation?
3: Yeah, it, you're right on. There's there's silver linings in everything. And, and uh, you know, a worldwide pandemic, I would have been hard pressed to figure out what the silver lining is in March when this all hit. But you're exactly right. Um, the silver lining is people um, across the country are embracing the outdoors like they really haven't done since, you know, the 60s and 70s. Um, license sales, and you know, beginning with spring turkey season and, and fishing season, and it's continued on throughout the fall, have been just surging across the country. Um, anywhere from 10 to 40%, depending on what state you look at, are up in license sales year on year. Uh, and that's a tremendous silver lining because when people buy a license, get outdoors, with friends with family with a bird dog to experience just the joys of mother nature and the thrill of a flushing rooster behind a dog you know that they're going to be hooked next year so it is it we, we see that you know, it, it's sort of the juxtaposition of our organization too because you we we see that when bird numbers are down it makes it real hard to recruit members, which is sort of counterintuitive to what you hope. When bird numbers are good and people are engaged, our member n- member numbers rise. People are super active. So I think that ties directly into COVID. So we, we have a little bit of a um, kind of a jackpot of good things with the pandemic in, back up which is obviously a bad thing but the good thing is people are getting outdoors more and pheasant and quail numbers because of habitat conditions being a little bit better than they have been and the weather being relatively cooperative from last winter through this spring's nesting season bird numbers really really have been strong this fall so you got good bird numbers you got people with an appetite to get outdoors and you got people buying licenses and there's a lot of energy around hunting and, uh, public lands and fishing and, and mother nature, which, you know, for anybody that loves it as much as we all do, that's, that's just a great silver lining to wrap around.
2: Yes, for sure. I can, I can verify that. Um, I mean, my unscientific verification is, you know, this year <laughs> hunting South Dakota, you know, West of Brookings area. Um, traditionally I head over there during Minnesota's deer season because it's less pressure, but, um, hunt public lands that we typically hunt, um, had hunters on them already and, um, it, hey, and hey. it's never happened before. And so we had to find new holes and, 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 uh, found birds. So that's, that, that's hey. like you say, is the positives and, you know, we're shooting prairie storm and so we can, Jason and I could toot our horn a little bit here, um, at regarding our on box royalty with pheasants forever and, um, and we're just building on those numbers. You know, to date, we've produced fifty five million rounds, more than fifty five million rounds, and substantial royalties paid to pheasants forever. So what do you see? What is your viewpoint on that relationship?
3: Oh, it, it, you know I've said this um, since the day I started working for this organization, it is just such an awesome relationship that we have with federal. Um, that, 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 as you mentioned, dates back to the early 80s, guys like Bill Stevens and and Joe Dugan, who conceptualized this relationship that, you know, it does come back to the fact that, you know, we're 23 miles apart as businesses, but we have the same ethos for conservation values. And, you know, the fact that out of every single box, and you guys expand it every year. You know, this year it's sixteen gauge and twenty-eight gauge prairie storm and the quail forever box. You guys are just so proactive about your conservation ethic and working with us that it makes it really, really a marriage made in heaven at every level. Um, so it's very natural for us to 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 promote the relationship that we have with Federal because it's just Intimately connected to who we are as an organization and our mission, and you know when you think about that, 55 million rounds. That's not that that federal has made a donation to you. You know that's not something that, and that's above the Pittman Robertson dollars. That's something that you looked across the 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 Twin Cities and said, here's a partner organization that's doing great things for wildlife. How can we collaborate and do more? And then that's been going on. That's been going on for, you know, for more than, what is it, like closing in on four decades. Uh, So it it really is uh, something that has been critical to the growth of Pheasants Forever, and it's part of the fabric of who we are.
1: Yeah, we're just... We've, we say it all the time, and we'll continue to say it. We're really proud to be associated with, with you guys and, and your mission. So uh, that all said, let's talk a little bit more hunting. Yeah, I'm for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Brian talked about the success he's had out in South Dakota already this year. Um, roadside mm-hmm. counts from Iowa showed an 18% increase uh, from 2019. North Dakota was up 38%. And an, and an annual survey in Minnesota was also up. Uh, what, what do you attribute those numbers to?
3: So, first and foremost, um, habitat well, what, the two things that um, influence bird numbers are habitat and weather. So, clearly, we can't control the weather, we can't control a habitat. So, our organization's mission is putting habitat back on the ground. And we've seen some gains and crp which is important component of adding habitat uh, quality habitat back on the ground also the diversity of habitat that we've been doing the last couple of years with more pollinator oriented mixes with more flowers to produce um, insects which is creating better brood cover betting better nesting cover for those broods so uh, what we control we're making some progress it's not where we want to be, but we're making progress. So when we got good quality habitat on the ground, birds can take advantage Excuse me of, of weather when it's favorable. And we have had a string of variables related to weather that have been favorable to set up birds for the increase this year. So if we look back at the winter of 2019 into 2020, relatively mild, across the majority of the pheasant range so that's important to bring hens into nesting season in strong condition so they get into nesting season but through a mild winter being ready to reproduce and then once we get into nesting season they're laying big clutches so 11 to 13 eggs the average size of a clutch of pheasant eggs is 11. and if we have um, good nesting conditions right from the get-go, um, that first hatch pulls off a lot of eggs, which puts more birds into the population. Now, if we have cold, wet um, weather during that springtime or we have predation, pheasants will re-nest a second time as long as that eggs have not hatched they will nest a third time even as long as the eggs have not hatched so what the downside is if they start with an average of 11 eggs a second nesting will be an average of about seven eggs and a third nesting will be an average of about five, five eggs so it doesn't take a mathematician to determine that you have good quality weather with low predation during that first nesting then you're gonna add more birds into the population then if you have variable weather and it pushes re-nesting out into the summer. So we had really good favorable weather conditions throughout the early part of the spring and summer that led to good nesting conditions and um, bigger clutches, bigger broods um, added into into the population, wild population, similar variables are true for quail. The interesting thing with quail from a nesting perspective, and I call this the um, Mr. Mom advantage for bobwhites. Um, whites the hen will lay a nest and oftentimes the male will incubate the nest and the hen will go and have a secondary nest And they can do and then that male could incubate the eggs they can do that up to three times so in in um, biology terms they call that the r factor quail bob quail have an incredible ability to add massive numbers to the population in really short period of time if they get (coughs) if they have quality weather um married with good quality habitat so this year on the quail side, it it hasn't exploded. Like If you think back maybe three years ago, um, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas just had a massive explosion in quail numbers. We didn't see that this year, it was more, more moderate, but it was a good year, an uptick year for quail. Um, a little bit better on the pheasant side up north, uh, but it, it just goes to show that, you know, these birds have a tremendous capability of exploding populations when those two variables, habitat and weather, come together.
2: You know, I was in Kansas for the annual Kansas Governor opener, and again, it's unscientific, but this year we had more quail opportunities than in the yeah. past three or four years, and uh, it was um, and big coveys. And typically when we've been out there and we've get, got into some quail, it'd be, you know a covey of 12, 10, 12 birds this year the coveys were 20, 20 plus birds and it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> I, you know, my dogs, they would get on the scent and I'm like, oh, there's, they're gonna, there's a rooster getting up and all of a sudden 20, 25 birds get up and um, you're like, oh, which one do I pick out? Which one do I pick out? You know, it's, it's just, it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun when it gets chaos like that.
3: It, you know, quail are just so underappreciated across this country. And, you know, if folks are listening and haven't ever hunted quail. Um, you know, in places like Nebraska and Kansas, you have until the end of January. Arizona, if you want to chase Merns or gambles or scalies, I think that goes to the end of January as well. Uh, you get, you know, you get some nicer weather and, you know, you got the 28 gauge prairie storm on the market now, which is a wonderful load for quail. It is a covey rise of quail is a life-altering occurrence and if you haven't ever experienced get get south figure out how to do that and you will absolutely circle it on your calendar every year going forward because they just and the first time you see a covey ride you you'll just kind of your jaw drop you'll you, you a lot of people they can't figure out which bird to shoot at. Cause you know, like you say, 20 birds get up at, at one flush and you're like, ah, <laughs> and, and, shoot and in you the middle. <laughs> va- yeah. You either shoot the middle, you completely vapor lock, but one thing's for sure. Uh, you'll want to do it over and over and over again.
2: So Bob, when this podcast is live, it's going to be um, probably mid to late December. And it'll be late season here in the upper Midwest. What would you have for uh, advice for those chasing perhaps some more educated birds? Keeping in mind, like South Dakota, Iowa, and Kansas have have seasons all the way up to January 31st.
3: Yeah, yeah, great question. Because there, there are plenty of states um, that are still open, like you mentioned. The number one thing is don't let the the mythology keep you at home. Um, yeah, the birds will be wilder, um, but they're not all gone. They're not all shot up. Um, and you know the one of the things that gotta consider is, you know, with the colder weather, there'll be some pheasant balhaas that people haven't been able to get to until things freeze up. I could think of a, I could think about a very particular place in in eastern South Dakota that I know. Unless you carry in hip waders, you're not going to get to my little Valhalla, a public land, until it freezes. And once it freezes, all those birds they get—they've been sucked in there since opening day, and nobody's touched them. And there's places like that. All I mean, there's cattail sloughs, there's irrigated areas, there's all sorts of places that if you if you just you look at onyx. You try to figure out some of those places that haven't been squeezed, and you can find birds that haven't been pressured as much as you might think. So a couple, you know, a couple tips. I focus on thermal cover more so than on food. I mean, certainly no. You want food in the mix. You want harvested cornfields, um, but it's not as important as early season. What you're looking more for is thermal cover where those birds can stay warm so cattail sloughs, um you know plum thickets shelter belts. so look, number one look for thicker cover um you know get there early and see if you can see birds moving from from where they're feeding to where they're um hiding out in the grass so you know don't be afraid to bring your binoculars to a pheasant hunt a lot of people don't think about glassing for roosters, but you can be on the edge of a cornfield and spot where they're moving around to. Um, you know, go to your best spots early. Don't don't think about well, I'm going to save that for the golden hour. Days are shorter. You know, you're you're not going to get as much time to hunt as many spots as you would early in the season. So go to your best spots first. Hunt a little bit slower. Because those birds are hunkered, you know. Let your dog work, and um, you know. Honestly, I don't. I don't play with my shot size as much as some people talk about. I. I generally try to be in the right places. And granted, I'm working over pointing dogs, so what I use in October and November, from a choke size and from a shot size, tends to be the exact same thing I use in December. And I just try to make, uh, make that sequence happen where, where me and the dog are in the right place where the birds are.
1: Uh, that's a great tip. I mean, I think it's really about consistency and being comfortable with what you're using your system. You mentioned our 28 gauge Prairie Storm. What, what's your favorite gauge?
3: Well, it obviously depends on what I'm hunting. Cause I would not be, I, I wouldn't be, uh, just. I, I, an upland enthusiast if I didn't have multiple shotguns, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> so uh, so uh, when i when I pheasant hunt, i'm I'm a twelve gauge guy. I believe uh, um, I you know pheasants are just so tough. They're you know you you do really have to hammer a pheasant to bring it down. So I'm twelve gauge prairie storm. I tend to use steel number fours. Uh, Prairie Storm Steel Number Four for pheasants. Then when I go um, uh, rough grouse hunting, I tend to drop down to a twenty gauge. Um, I I still have um, um, the Wing Shock uh, P.F. loads seven and a half. So I, I I've got a transition to the um, um the new Top Gun here as soon as I run out of the Wing Shock ones. Uh, but I'm a seven and a half twenty gauge for um for rough grouse and then for for bob white's 28 gauge um those same seven and a half
2: great choices yeah (laughs) so bob obviously if anybody follows you on social or listens to your podcast or radio show you run pointers tell us about your latest addition to the saint pierre family and how's the (laughs) pup doing this fall
3: yeah yeah i uh um i grew up with with britney's my my wife grew up with Labradors, um, and I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So I I'm just I grew up as a hardcore rough grouse hunter, which I it, it hooked me on pointing dogs. So the so little known fact in a marriage with two people that um, grew up with a Brittany and a Labrador, the the marital compromise is a shorthair. So so I've had short shorthairs um, since the mid. Two thousands um, and my my new one just turned one. Her name is Gitchigumi, named after Lake Superior. Um so she is uh, in her first year, she she is she's developing really well and she's the fourth short hair that I've had as kind of an adult, uh, my own rather than kind of a family dog growing up all over the course of um, my my childhood. so, it's interesting over over those four dogs they all have different strengths and different weaknesses Gitchy, um you know she's probably the slowest developing pointer out of the group but she's easily the best retriever at this stage of her life so so i've got um I, and she's just got a wonderful personality just you know a lover first hunter second and um you know, I got, I got a little work to do reinforcing the point and some honoring, but uh, she thinks she thinks she's a duck dog because her second retrieve ever was a blind uh, pheasant retrieve on the rooster road trip that fell in the wetland that uh, she she didn't even see, and she went out and retrieved that um, that rooster in the wetland based on my hand signals, um, just completely blind retrieve that. It just, I couldn't be more thrilled, super excited, but she's just, she's doing great. She's doing great.
2: That's awesome. I, I, I have a three-year-old Springer female who is, the flip has switched on her. And, um, this, this fall I've, I've been so impressed and, you know, besides being a great family dog, um, to go along with my older male Springer, um, when you see them, that, that, that switch flips on them. And they become aggressive, and they're chasing things down, and they're going to retrieve. It's just, um, it's just, it's great to see those dogs, and it makes the experience. um, It just enhances the experience. Is that your view?
3: Oh yeah, I say that when I when I brought Gitchy home at eight weeks, um, so that would have been last December. So I brought her out with a buddy in January on a um, we we got some quail. And I introduced her to to wild, well, to birds, to uh, this quail. And so she's, oh, let's say she's 12 or 14 weeks old. And when I introduced her to that quail, (laughs) she hid behind me. She was just uh, absolutely terrified of this quail. But then over time, as you you see the light bulb turn on and the prey drive come out and the enthusiasm, you know, as we go into, you know, introducing her to pigeons and then to to, um, to pheasants and then rough grouse and, and you see the enthusiasm for the, the the hunt, you know, just bringing out the blaze orange or getting the shotgun out of the safe, um, you know, her, her energy level just comes up and she's hopping up into the kennel and, you know, it, it is absolutely what they were meant to do. And she has so much enthusiasm. It's just a, a joy to spend with them. And it, it, it's what I look forward to the most That every single day. Get done with work every single day. And I take all three of my short ears out for a run. And, you know, sometimes we encounter woodcocks. Sometimes we encounter pheasants. Um, and, and you see them working and exercising and just what they were born to do. And they love it.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm a pointing dog guy too, Brian. So, but we, we won't get into that cause that's a whole nother episode. So, but, uh, Bob, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been great to talk hunting and our partnership and, um, you know, tell people where to go if they want to get involved before we close up here. Yeah. Well,
3: again, thank, thank you guys so much for, for the opportunity and for the the long term relationship with pheasants forever and quail forever, if, if if bird hunters are out there listening and you care about conservation, you should be putting federal ammunition, prairie storm in your shotguns chasing pheas- chasing pheasants, quail, rough grouse, prairie grouse, because federal is just so um, personally and organizationally committed to conservation, and I speak to that from the heart you know federal arena these companies that contribute to the bigger picture they they are they're not every company out there and federal is a class above so if folks want to join the organization um, uh, check us out at peasantsforever.org quailforever.org uh, obviously we're on facebook instagram Twitter, you can hit me up if you got questions. Um, I'm I'm Pheasant Bob on Instagram, uh, Bob Saint Pierre, no period on on Twitter, and you can look me up on Facebook and 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 then our podcast, On the Wing Podcast. You can find that at PheasantsForever.org as well. Um, and love to love to answer questions anybody has. And uh, again, I can't thank Federal enough for for the long standing partnership.
1: Well, thank you, Bob, and thanks everybody at Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Truly one of the classiest um, conservation organizations out there, and and that's saying a lot. So we look forward to seeing everybody again in person uh, in Omaha in 2022 for the the annual Pheasant Fest when that kicks back off, and uh, check out Bob for some great recipes and conservation tips. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Thanks, fellas.
2: After this break, we'll talk with Product Director Rick Stokel about Prairie Storm and the addition of 16 and 28 gauge to the best ammunition for Upland game on the market today in our Tech Talk segment.
4: Meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition. However you shoot and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared. And nothing prepares you better than federal premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your Federal Premium Advantage today.
0: Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk.
2: I'm Brian Calvington, along with Rick Stolkel, product manager for Shot Shell. He's here to talk more about bird hunting and specifically more about Prairie Storm. Hey, Rick, there's been a renewed interest in sub-gages for upland hunting. What was it that we heard that prompted us to expand our uh, prairie storm into 16 and 28
5: gauge? Well, Brian, you know, we attend shows throughout the years and, you know, there's a lot of talk about upland hunting or just shot show hunting as a whole. And there's certainly a renewed interest in sub-gage. Every show we're at, that's, that's pretty much the first thing we hear. And uh, some of the leading gun manufacturers have also brought out new uh, sub-gauge offerings. And because of all this buzz, it just seems like Hunter's getting more interested in sub-gages. And we've also brought out increased performance offerings in sub-gages to fit this new interest.
2: And, I mean, that's critical to the whole system, right, is that you have matched the load to the firearm to make an efficient um, tool together, Right
5: yeah, no, no doubt. <clears throat> you know, we see what comes out new from all the big manufacturers. And, and we actually have a lot of discussions with them, you know, beforehand, and we kind of get a precursor to what's coming out new. And we we work with a lot of them directly too to, to match up loads with their new offerings. And uh, we have good relationships with the gun manufacturers to kind of get a sneak peek before everybody else does.
2: And you do this work together for, to improve the experience for the hunter, correct?
5: Oh, no question. You know, if you come out with a a new firearm without the ammo or a new ammo without the firearm really doesn't do a lot of good so we we work in tandem with these guys to make sure the experience the hunter has out there is the best it can be
2: yeah so let's talk about prairie storm and actually in the entire system itself rick why don't you just walk us through the the shot shell construction and the the key differentiations within the wad and the shot
5: yeah, yeah, Brian. we introduced the flight control WAD system, uh, it was a few years ago, and we started with buckshot, moved down to waterfall, and then upland. And the flight control WAD system was completely different than anything uh, prior to it, where in the old days, a standard WAD would just come out of the end of the muzzle and just disperse shot as you would see it naturally happen. But with the flight control WAD system, we're actually timing that. And it's an engineered process where when, when the, the flight control WAD leaves, uh, the muzzle, it's actually engineered to separate from the shot in a uniform way and at a certain distance, thus giving us the patterns and, and distance we're we're looking for. So the the one thing that's happened in the last couple of years is you've seen a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, aftermarket, uh, very aggressive uh, choke systems, and they would actually wreak havoc on a, on a wad and strip them and, and cut them up, and, and it kind of defeated the purpose in very extreme cases. So we developed the uh, flight control flex product, and that was flight control 2. What that did was work in any choke system out there. And what we're seeing now, it works in anything. We're seeing even patterns up to possibly 30% better than anything else we ever had. So that's been a great feat. The other part of it in a prairie storm load is the, the shot. So we're actually using a shot that we did again a few years ago, and it's a called flight stopper pellets and these pellets have a ring around the center more like a Saturn kind of ring and it's a cutting edge ring and what that does is give you performance on bird <clears throat> so when you're hitting a game or bird um, they, each shot pellet acts kind of like a, a, a its own penetration and wound channel instead of just a bunch of shot hitting a bird it's actually creating different wound channels much more devastating on birds at longer ranges and what we do is put 30% of that flight stopper shot uh, in each load, and seventy percent premium lead pellets to make a really nice load.
2: And really, it comes down to it: um, performance is key, and that patterning, that consistent patterning with the downrange killing power. Those two common those two together; those two attributes together. What's what really differentiates Prairie Storm? Is that right?
5: Yeah, exactly. And you know, when we did this, you, you see our, our standard premium lead, which is a really good product. It's plated, performs very well. Uh, but with these, these cutting edge flight stopper pellets, they tend to migrate to the outer edges of a pattern, um, thus allowing uh, more, more uh, devastating penetration and performance on the edges of a pattern. And standard hunters, most hunters don't hit a bird right in the center of a pattern anyway. So what we're seeing is more effective kills, more downrange effectiveness um, for longer shots as well with that you know extra hard premium type shot in the middle.
2: But well, it that's really why, works good at long ranges. That's why I kill birds then.
5: That's it, Brian. Before, <laughs> you were a little, a little sketchy. Now you're definitely hitting more birds. I, I've noticed that.
2: For sure. So if hunters are hunting in waterfall <laughs> production areas, you know, state lands where steel is required, there is an option for them too, correct?
5: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it's just becoming more prevalent every day. A lot of, I think here in Minnesota is one of them, if you're you're hunting on a production area, you absolutely have to shoot, you know, steel. So what we've done is, um, added to our prairie storm lineup, a steel prairie storm. And what you're seeing there is basically the same kind of construction as a standard lead prairie storm, but we're using steel shot. Not unlike um, what we're doing in our Black Cloud Black Cloud Waterfall products. So basically the similar uh, type of situation where you have steel flight stopper pellets and then good steel round pellets working in tandem to get you a great, uh, great pattern in the areas you have to shoot uh, steel.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Rick. I mean, exactly. I mean, we just know that we make a a round for every option uh, and for every location as well, based on the state regulations. So we've got you covered. Federal's always got you covered. You know, speaking of hunting seasons, there's still some time left. You know, when this uh, episode hits, goes live, it'll be mid-December. So Rick, what do you have for advice for hunters who still are going to be out there
5: chasing some late season birds? right you know the hardcore guys you know you go to a pf show and you see these hardcore guys and they got that look in their eye that they don't just shoot the birds um early season they like to hunt them late and when they get late the, the uh, words get uh, sort of the birds get much more wary as you've said i mean they're just you shut the car door they're flying out of the uh the swamp i mean you really have to be more aware of what you're shooting we see people use maybe a little tighter choke maybe a mod full choke Uh, The one nice thing about the flight control wad, there's not much of a need for uh, choke changes as it just keeps that pellet tighter and it actually acts like a choke. Um, But one payload we do have, we have a three-inch, ounce and five-ace, my favorite number four. If you can't kill a a long-ranging pheasant with that, you probably should stay in the truck. Um, That's a big (laughs) payload, shooting a three-inch, and uh, it really does the job dropping those long-ranging bird late year like now.
2: Thanks, Rick. That's great information. And just remember, when you're buying your upland ammunition, Federal is a leader in giving back to organizations like PF and QF. We just had Bob St. Pierre on that work hard to ensure habitat and huntable populations. You know, Rick, it's really not a marketing ploy. It's just in our DNA and it's in, it's an integral part of our, our Federal's mission. Would you agree? Yeah,
5: absolutely. I mean, we've all been around here a long time. We all love to hunt and uh, just doing it the most ethical way we, we can and just just picking the right products and making sure our products um, will give the hunter the best chance out there and give them the most success. All
2: right. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you again soon.
5: Great being on. Thanks, Brian.
2: Up next, our news and notes section of It's Federal Season. We'll share what's making headlines at Federal, including hot promotions on Federal gear and product. There's a time and a
4: place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. (laughs) Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other.
0: It's Federal Season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment.
2: To keep on the upland and pheasant theme, Federal is currently running It Pays to Be a Pheasant Fan. Buy at least one case or 10 boxes of Federal Premium Upland High Velocity Lead or Upland Magnum Lead. Prairie Storm or Wing Shock Shot shell ammunition and get a rebate of $5 per box, or elect to send a $6 donation per box to Pheasants Forever. In appreciation, a donation of $60 or more earns you a promotion code for a complimentary Rooster Booster level annual membership, or an extension of your existing membership, a $75 value from Pheasants Forever. Minimum purchase one case or 10 boxes required per promotion code for a complimentary associate level annual membership. Maximum rebate is $100 or $120 donation. This promotion ends on 12 2020 so there's not a whole bunch of time left to take advantage of this great promotion. Go to federalpremium.com promotions for all the details on this and all current rebates and promotions from Federal Ammunition. Our next podcast will feature Ben Cassidy from SCI, He will join us to talk big game hunting and what the organization's efforts is to protect the global rights of hunters. Look for that to be available in 2021. From Federal, we wish you all a safe, healthy, and happy holiday season
0: and new year. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's Federal Season.